were going to change the natural law of water to confirm that God's hand was on them. And there was a problem because three days into the desert, we find out, and you look at me again in verse 22 of Exodus 15, for three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. Now, if I went three days without water anywhere, that would be inconvenient and unhealthy and unsafe. But to go without water for three days in the desert, it's a crisis situation. It's a crisis situation. And could you imagine, after all that time, when they came upon the waters, and it looked like a refreshing water, and they ran their hands to the water, and it felt refreshing And it looked like the answer to everything they needed. Here it was. But when they tasted the water, the water was bitter. Can you imagine how disheartening that would be if you were about to die of thirst and dehydration? And here it is. You found something that looked good and felt right and looked like the answer to your problem. But you took a taste of it and it was bitter waters. Can you imagine how devastating that would be to you? And yet all the time, I think because of the striving of men and, and the, uh, the, the polluted waters that come to us as individuals and as churches, that we have people who come to us as individuals or come to us as a church wanting a touch of God, wanting something refreshing, but all they get is the same kind of junk they get at their corporate office, the same kind of junk they get in the gossip of the neighborhoods, the same kind of junk they get in the cafeterias of the school. It is the same thing. There's no life. There's no nourishment because the waters have become bitter and the waters will bring no life. Yet God is here. God is here to to reveal himself to reveal himself and to reveal his anointed by changing what had happened. And here's the, the interesting thing to me. It, it wasn't like the miracle of the Red Sea parting had happened 30 years ago or 30 months ago or three weeks ago. The miracle had happened just three days previously. Three days before God had done the impossible. Three days before God had did what no one could imagine. Three days before God had done what no one could have seen and what no one could have imagined. And it was bigger than life. And yet, just three days into it, the people already started to grumble. Look at me um, in, in verse in verse 23, when they came tomorrow, they could not drink this water because it was bitter. In verse 24, so the people grumbled against Moses. I'm in 1524. The people grumbled against Moses. The people began to speak against him and said, why are we even here? Even though the miracle had just happened, they grumbled anyway. Can I tell you that when God has done something great in your life and when God has done a miracle, don't forget him. Don't forget his faithfulness. Don't forget what he's done before. You can even you can focus on the problem ahead of you or you can focus on the greatness of God. You can focus on the challenge ahead of you and you could grumble and you could complain or you can begin to say, God, you've been faithful to me in the past. You've taken me through the waters before. You've made dry land and, and given me the ability to pass through when I couldn't pass through before. So why should I doubt you now? Why should I grumble now? Why should I complain now? Can I tell you that here at this body, the church at Indian Lake, if we had time to talk about our history and where God has brought us, the fact that we're together today is a miracle. 
To that, that the word together today is miraculous. God has made a way where there was no way. God has part of the Red Sea. God has made dry ground. God has did something great for us. And we have a promised land we're going to. We have a place of regional influence where we're going to change Hendersonville for Jesus Christ. We're going to affect North Nashville for Jesus. Out of this corner, God's given us a destiny. Our promised land is to send ripples from this room and from this property, and those ripples are going to go to the world. That's the promised land God has for us. I don't think anyone who's signed up for this ride wants to be part of an ordinary church. We want to be something great for God. We want to do, we want to go to a land of establishment. We want to go to a place where there is greatness and we're right in the destiny of where God wants us to go. But sometimes when we Cross through the miracle before we get to the promised land. God needs us to go through a desert. And that's why there in verse 25, it says there, there the Lord made a decree and he tested them. He tested them. He wanted to see who was qualified to go into the promised land. And part of the test were these bitter were in this in this particular instance was this bitter water that that they encountered. Can I tell you this, that. We're not where we want to be yet. We are not the church we want to be yet. But there is a place of destiny. There is a place of a land of anointing. There is a place of establishment. There is a place of influence. And God, who has taken us to the place he has taken us today, will bring us to that place. But here's the problem. If you choose to complain and grumble, and if the, the problem today is greater than your memory of what God did yesterday, then you won't enter the promised land with us. I am telling you this. That it's the test from the Lord. We has us where he wants us to be and he's taking us somewhere else. But we focus on the issue today instead of remembering the miracle of yesterday. There was a miracle six months ago when God birthed a new church in this room. There was something great for those of us who had been through the test and been through the battle. We knew God had done something great. God had done something incredible. That this was his hand. This was his doing. This is what he put together. God had birthed a new church and there was a destiny on us. And there was a greatness on us. And we are going to places that we have never seen and we've never dreamed of. And can I tell you, as surely as the Lord did that miracle six months ago, he will as surely take us to places. Places we haven't dreamed of. You know, the promised land's ahead of us, and we don't know the lay of the land yet. We don't even know what all the fruit will be. We don't know what's ahead of us, but we know who has promised us. We know the vision he's given us. And so why grumble today? Why complain today when God has something greater for us tomorrow? He is testing us and taking us through the place that he wants us to go. So in verse 22, for three days, they traveled in the desert without finding water. And when they came tomorrow, they could not drink because it was bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses and their and I'll say this, their discomfort today overshadowed their memory of yesterday. I want to give you a word of caution today. And I don't know of anything specific. I'm not thinking of any person or anything. In fact, if I would say our church, I think by and large is a positive church. 
I feel from you guys encouragement. I feel you cheering me on. I've got a prayer team that's making the difference right now that meets every week at 930, and they're the ones that are making the difference in our church right now. Uh, so to me, everything is positive. But I just want to give you a word of caution, is that where God to take us where we need to be, then we need to not grumble, but focus on what he's done and what he's going to do. We need to not disqualify ourselves because a whole generation of Israelites didn't enter the promised land because they grumbled. They focused on the wrong thing. They focused on the discomfort of today instead of the miracle of yesterday and the promise tomorrow. So God, in this case, not only when Moses laid down the wood, the waters became whole, he also revealed himself as our healer, as our Jehovah Rapha. And there's no doubt that he said, if you obey my commands, you won't get sick. And there's no doubt that one of the things we often overlook here is that the practices in God's law, such as circumcision and quarantine and quarantine, excuse me, and washing and running, washing in the running water and eating kosher, this all made a legitimate, real medical difference. And I believe that God is our Jehovah Rapha. There are some preventative things we need to do. That's part of obeying. Here's the bottom line. You know, if God is our healer, part of God being our healer is us living holy. Because we live holy, it eliminates a lot of medical issues in our lives. But can I tell you that there is a healing stream. There is a healing stream coming from God. That God, the same God who took the piece of wood that Moses put in the water. And he made the bitter water life-giving and fresh again. It's the same God who promised he will heal your diseases. Can I tell you that some of you in the physical realm, it's just been a negative flow in your life. I mean, illnesses, doctor's appointments, just constant, constant struggle. Can I tell you this story reminds us and reveals that God is our healer. That the same God who made the bitter water fresh again, can change the water of your life today. And there's a healing stream. There's a healing stream flowing through here today. And God is here to heal you. Well, I want you to go with me to 2 Kings chapter 2. Because in 2 Kings chapter 2, we also pick up a story midstream. And here again, God established his leader through the life of Elisha. Elijah was taken up to heaven. And when Elijah was was taken up to heaven, his understudy, Elisha, was given a double portion of his anointing. And God's anointing was on Elisha, but the people had yet not had not yet recognized it. And we will see some uh, Elijah was a hairy man and Elisha was bald. So some of the young men made fun of him and he said, hey, you bald man. You don't have what, basically, it was more than them making fun of some kind of cosmetic issue like we would. They were actually saying, you're not qualified to have Elijah's mantle. And God judged them and sent bears to eat them up. Isn't that a crazy story? But we pick up this story in verse 15 of chapter 2. Elijah had ascended to heaven. And now the mantle of authority was on Elijah. And it says, a company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and they bowed to the ground before him. Look, they said, we, your servants, have 50 able men. 
Let them go and look for your master. Perhaps, perhaps the spirit of the Lord has picked him up and set him down on some mountain or in some valley. They couldn't find Elijah's body. No, Elisha replied, do not send them. But they persisted until he was too ashamed to refuse. So he said, send them. And they sent 50 men who searched for three days but did not find him. And when they returned to Elisha, who was staying in Jericho, he said to them, didn't I tell you not to go? They still did not respect the man of God. Now, I say that all for context because verse 19 is where I want you to really focus in. I want you to note in verse 18 where they're at. They're in Jericho. The men of the city, and this is uh, in Jericho, are the ruins of Jericho, really, because remember, the walls had come down. Said to Elisha, look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Bring me a a new bowl, he said, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. And then he went out to the spring and he threw the salt into it, saying, this is what the Lord says. And I just want to say before I read these words, I believe this is a specific word for your life today. I believe this is a specific word for this church. I felt this strongly this week. This is what the Lord says. He said it through Elisha in the in the context of the scripture. But I believe he's saying that to us. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained wholesome to this day, according to the word of Elisha, the word Elisha has spoken. Look again at verse 19. The men of the uh, of the men said this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. We all know the great phrase in real estate. We're trying to sell the land on Big Station Camp Boulevard. Pray with us. The land sells. We're not at a crisis point, but we're believing the Lord for the right buyer at the right price. Look, this town is well situated. What do real estate agents say? Location, location, location. You just find a good location and good things will happen. That's the wisdom of the, of the world. Get a good location. I don't remember. In the last church I pastored, when we looked for property, I spent two years of my life looking for property. I know every landowner in this county. Uh, I know all the price values. Uh, I never want to have to look for property again. And people in this county are proud of their property. And you talk about gold fever, there is land fever. What? Location, location, location. You find a good location, you'll succeed. The men of Jericho... They had those real estate tips centuries ago. We've got a good location, but there's a problem. we got a good place, but there's a problem. The water is bad. The water is bad. We, we can't grow here. We can't produce here. We can't have life here because the water is bad. The archaeologists, they've looked into that area, and they, they, they believe that the water could have legitimately been radioactive. There are a lot of earthquakes and the water source, there's a specific spring where the mound of Jericho is. And that specific water could have come in contact with radioactive geological strata. And that could have contaminated the water. And it actually could have made the inhabitants of that land sterile, unable to reproduce. Verse 19, we have a great location. The men of the city said, our town's well situated. 
But the water is bad and the land is unproductive. And the prophet of God, the man of God said, this is what I want to do. I want you to bring me a new bowl. I want you to bring me a new container, something that hasn't been used before, something that's not contaminated. And I want to do something new. I want a new vessel. I want something new to happen here. And when Elijah got the new bowl or he asked for the new bowl, he did that very specifically because he wanted something that was new and unused. Now, the salt here, we don't know of any significance except for this, that we know that salt doesn't make the water better. So we know that this was no kind of ancient practice of uh, throwing salt in and that makes water better. This was a prophetic illustration from the Lord. And when the Lord speaks through his prophets, he often uses imagery. He often used symbolism. And here, this is specifically what had happened. And, and I did think when I was uh, just preparing this message, I thought about we are the salt of the earth and we bring out the God flavors. And perhaps that that could apply there. But he gets the new bowl and he puts the salt And here it was, a whole community was affected by bad water. Can I tell you that when your spirit is contaminated, you might have had a flow of God's spirit in your life before, but if you let that water get contaminated, you'll do more harm than good. When you begin to depend upon your own efforts and your own flesh and that thing which flows out of you, it looks right, it feels right, but when people get a taste of the spirit that's in your life, it is toxic and it is bad. And that's why the Lord is our healer. The Lord is our healer for this whole community. Location, location, location. We're situated good, but the water is bad. And the man of God came in and he said, give me a new bowl. Give me a new container. And I'm going to put some salt in here. And by the power of God and through this imagery, we are changing the water. And just as the changing of the water established Moses for the third time to the children of Israel. So in this case, the changing of the water established the ministry of Elisha who people had been skeptical and critical and people had made fun of and and people had said you're not qualified and you are no Elijah but yet God's hand came upon him and he came and he healed through the power of God the power of God through his ministry healed the land and made the water productive again and look at me again in verse 21 it says this the Lord says And I want you to look at We're going to look at two different versions. Go to the New American Standard. The Lord, thus says the Lord, I have purified these waters. There shall not be from there death or unfruitfulness any longer. Look at the NLT. I believe I have that in there, Chad. Yeah, there's NASB now, NLT. And then he went out to the spring that supplied the town with water, and he threw the salt in it, and he said, this is what the Lord says. I have purified this water. It will no longer cause death or infertility. The people weren't able to produce. I want to say that for some of you in here, you keep sinning over and over again, and you think, there's something wrong with me. You say, I can't beat this perpetual sin. And so you've given up. You feel like you have corrupt water and distasteful water. In fact, you are faking people out. It looks right. It feels right. But if people were to taste of the water you have, it's toxic. It's not the spirit of God. It's some unfamiliar spirit. Can I tell you, there's a healing for you. 
And the word of the Lord to you is, the Lord says, I have healed this water. Put it on the NIV. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained wholesome to this day. Can I tell you, there's a time of change. There's a time of sanctification. There's a time of repentance. There's a time to turn around. And it comes not from human effort, but it comes from the hand of God. Jehovah Rapha. Remember, we read about him in Numbers 15, the revelation of who God said. God is the one who heals us. And can I tell you, that's not just contained to our physical ailments, because the greatest healing is the healing of a wrong spirit, the healing of a wrong attitude, the healing of that which the, the wrong type of thinking, the renewing of the mind to the things of God. Can I tell you, some of us need to look to God as our healer. Some of you have said this week, you said there's something wrong with me. Can I tell you that that might be uh, understanding, but that's not the place you're going to stay. God has made you. He has made you wonderfully. He's created you. He has made you to be fruitful for him. And he is here to heal you. He can heal you today. You don't have to live in that perpetual sin. You don't have to live with that same habit. Turn to him. Go to God. Go to God and say, God, you're my healer. I need your cleansing waters. I need for you to to make me whole again. Beth, I want you to come up. For those who have been sick, some of you have been sick before. And the enemy wants to plant thoughts in your mind. I want you to hear me closely. That says that sickness is going to come back. The enemy wants, you know, in the back of your mind makes you wonder that if that illness is going to return. Can I tell you that when God healed the waters outside of Jericho, this is what the Lord says. I have healed the waters. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. Can I tell you when God heals you of that disease, when God heals you of that sickness, when God changes the waters of healing in your life, he says, I have changed that forever. Never again. Never again, because it's God's nature and it's who is our. Here's the last thing I want to say. For many of you, you've been part in the past of an unhealthy church. <laughs> hey, man, it just happens. For those of you, you've been part of an unhealthy church. A church that was supposed to supply pure, life-giving, refreshing water. But instead, that water that was once good became polluted Corrupt and toxic. Can I, can I tell you, I don't know where your background is. I don't know if it was a church in this area or a church out of state or a church in your past. But can I tell you that as the one, that as someone that the Lord has called me to lead this church for this time period, can I tell you that my prayer is for a fresh flow of His river, for pure water to come? I don't want anything toxic. I don't want anything unhealthy. I don't want anything unproductive. And can I say with the help of the Lord, this is what the Lord's saying to our church. And read it on the screen with me. Put that right back up if we're able to in the NIV. I don't know if, our, if our, we have our guy back there. This is what the Lord said. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. Can I, can I tell you that the Lord is, is taking us as a church to a place of spiritual health? It's so important. Listen, it's so important that... We be healthy people. 
spiritually healthy people. Do you know that you can look and that the uh, you can't the the, the uh, Mormon church is growing faster than a Christian church. The Muslim church is growing faster than a Christian church. It, you know, we have to go reach the world for Christ. But what if we're like the Pharisees? We go get converts, but we make them twice the hypocrites that we are. God's calling us to health. And the stream that I believe that he wants to flow out of you and me and out of this room and out of this corner and out of exit seven and out of Hendersonville. Listen, God doesn't need another church in Hendersonville unless it's going to be a life giving, world changing, Jesus exalting church. You know, he doesn't need just to more to occupy another hour of people's time. He wants to occupy our hearts and occupy our finances and occupy our attention and let his waters begin to flow. Something real, something refreshing, something new, something life giving. And the toxic waters, they're over with in the name of Jesus. The bad waters are over with. That will never again. He when he comes as our healer and heals our waters, they will never again be unproductive productive and bring death because through the spirit of Jesus, he's here to bring us life. Amen.